The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, make sure you grab a mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or Google Play Store. What up, DGENs and NBA fans out there? It is the NBA Gambling Podcast, hosted by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and we got a great show today. I'm the lucky host that gets to sub in for big, fat baby Ryan McKee. Big shoes to fill, no doubt, but it makes it a little bit easier because I got my homie here, Scott Reichel, with me. We call him the radio voice because, man, if you haven't heard it before, man, this guy's voice just resonates through your airways. Scott, what's up, brother? How you feeling today? Uh, doing pretty well. I know that we have one basketball game on tonight. It feels weirder the uh, as the further we get into the playoffs, the less games we actually have to talk about. But other than that, I'm really nervous. And it has nothing to do with the show. It has nothing to do with the fact, well, really just basketball in general. It's because no matter how good the game is between the Bucks and the Hawks tonight, I'm probably not going to watch it because the Islanders are in game seven. And that's where all my priorities are currently set right now. At least your priorities are aligned, right? Like once you're in Brooklyn Nets, we're out of there. You got to support the the squad that's still alive. And, you know, if I had a squad that was still alive after the Philadelphia Sixers blew it, um, the Flyers are trash. The Phillies suck. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm already looking at football season. So at least you still have something to play for. Well, you know, it wasn't all perfect for me because the Nets ended up losing, which didn't really surprise me. But in overtime game seven, that's definitely not exactly a fun experience Lord. to deal with when you waste a 48 performance by Kevin Durant. But other than that, yeah, just happy to be talking about basketball on the show. I know that the teams remaining all have, well, pretty interesting stories and pretty, uh, let's just say, inconsistent play. Let's put it that way, because it seems like <laughs> yeah. all four teams in right. comparison to most years aren't exactly as consistent as you're used to them being. But so far, the games have been pretty good and the series have been entertaining. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. So today's big show, we're going to break down what our thoughts are for tonight's game between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks in game two. And then we're going to also preview, we're going to bring in the prop bros. I know you guys know the property brothers, but we got the prop bros or at least one prop bro joining us to give us the best props for today. And then we'll get our best bets in, but we're going to talk some general hoops first. And I, I just want to touch on what you just said, got the, uh, the flaws of the teams that do exist. Would you argue, what, what would you say the Suns flaw is um, based off of what happened yesterday? Um, you know, I, I thought it was actually a pretty, it was a pretty good game for the most part. You know, it just seems like Jay Crowder kind of lost his head. Chris Paul had a pretty good, pretty good game. You know, DeAndre Ayton still dominating the paint, but Zubach, the coming out party, this guy just balled out with a monster double-double. 
we saw Reggie Jackson continue to play the hero. What are your thoughts on that game and, and how that kind of, how that kind of uh, unfolded? And do you think that there's a weakness in the Suns? Yeah, I think that the main weakness, I'll answer the last question first. I think the issue with the Suns is either the backup center or even just looking at Aiton's flaws defensively. How he's been so great statistically, you saw that from the Lakers series onward, but the issue that plagued him throughout his entire career and most of the season, which is why people had some questions about Aiton going to the playoffs, was the defense, particularly in the pick and roll, because he is a seven-footer. He's not exactly as agile as an Anthony Davis. I mean, he's not exactly as stiff either, but the point is that if you end up switching and you end up getting him into some pretty uncomfortable situations on the defensive end, is he good enough to handle those situations? And the answer is sometimes, kind of. I mean, you don't exactly think he's a great defensive player, but he's not canter bad, so he kind of balances out somewhere <laughs> along those lines. But the issue that I also have is just the backup center spot. You're giving minutes to Saric. You're trying to throw out some names there. I've never really been a big Saric guy. Uh, I know that he used to play for Philly. I don't know if you were ever a fan of him either. I think he's okay, but people expected him to develop. Right. And that has really just never happened. That's yeah, kind of how I look one, at his career. He, yeah, he was definitely one of those, like, he had the, the shine of, like, oh, man, this guy's been dominating in, Euro, in the Euro League, And he has that – he has the size and the versatility in his game that he's going to be a good NBA player. But, honestly, I always thought he projected more as a backup, which is exactly what he is. And, you know, he's had a pretty good season considering. Um, but I thought Frank Kaminsky was their, was their main dude. Um, you know, to, to come in after Aiton, but he hasn't really been seeing much minutes and hasn't been cracking the lineup. So I think you're right. You, you identified a huge gap there because that's usually their small ball lineup. And, you know, when you have Zubac in there, he's just going to bully Sarge around. And so it really ends up falling up on DeAndre Aiton to get those pick and roll minutes. And he got abused last night. You know, he was very effective on offense, but you called it out, man. His defense is lacking. Well, I think that's been the issue of his career that gonna, he's going to have to work on the most because the offensive skills seem to be relatively there. Now, of course, yeah. you could always get better as a jump shooter. But for the most part, I think Suns fans would be very content with the way Aiden's played offensively. The only thing that I do wonder, though, is that for some reason, the Lakers with LeBron and company didn't really abuse them much in the pick and roll, which is what you kind of thought they were going to do. You looked at the second series in Denver. I'm not even sure what they were trying to do for that entire series, but they finally faced off against the team that was able to capitalize off of Aiden's flaws defensively. And the Clippers... It was kind of funny because I mentioned it on my radio show a couple of days ago that the plan for the series, bet the Suns the first two games, bet the Clippers to win the series because that seems to be uh, the MO for this Clippers team. They don't either start trying until they're down 2-0 or they finally actually show up after game two. But definitely a different Clippers team than we saw. They still got to stop playing Rondo. Rondo's been a complete waste of space in the series Awful. for the Clippers. But – Beverly's been surprisingly good from the three-point line, and defensively, you know, he's always going to bring it. Whether or not it's a little chippy or whatever, he still brings it just energy-wise. And you look at Reggie Jackson, who's been phenomenal. Terrence Mann, who really should just play 30-plus minutes every single game, yeah. especially without Kawhi. And yet it seems like Ty Lue just waits until midway through the series to actually realize again, oh, yeah, this guy had like 39 in like a playoff game. You know, like, <laughs> in the, the most important 20. game in Clippers history, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, no, no, no we're just going to play in eight minutes in game one. I'm like, what? what is happening right now? But either way, Rondo's not exactly a piece in this, I'd say, successful rotation, and that should probably stay that way because he – playoff Rondo is good, but there is a lot of baggage with Rondo, and it appears that he's just mentally disinterested. 
Right. He's, he's definitely one of those matchup plays and, you know, you insert him in certain moments, but like the minutes that he's getting right now, I think the, the best thing for the Clippers is the way that Ty Lue continues to adapt mid mid series. And you can't count him out. I like the way you call that, you know, it's like, let, let the, uh, the home team win the first two games and then bet the Clippers, the series. Cause that's what the trend's been uh, since their opening round. And, um, you know, just going back to, to Beverly for a second, this dude, like, I think, Rondo was very effective in the first round because Beverly, I think, was still getting his – maybe he's still getting his sea legs. He was still trying to get back into shape. But, like, I think this guy's finally been deployed the right way, and this is the exact series that you need someone of his dog mentality because Chris Paul is going to be a menace. And we saw it, you know, coming back. He played over 30-plus 30, 30 minutes, had a pretty decent game, uh, finished with a double-double. But I'm curious about what your thoughts are on Booker. Are you concerned, Mr. Broken Nose, Mr. Heavyweight Bout getting his ass kicked, now the masked man looking like Michael Myers, he's shooting 10 for 37 in his last two games. Is this something that's – do you think it's going to carry over? Or do you think Booker will get out of his funk? Well, I was very concerned because I can't remember the last bad mask game you've had from a superstar. It feels like they always <laughs> right. play better with the mask on. But in <laughs> reality, even when he was, let's just say, coping with the injury with no mask, when he was claiming his nose wasn't broken, his nose was snapped into three pieces – I don't really know why he claimed it wasn't broken. You could easily tell it was broken when you actually yeah, saw like him. shifted to the left a little bit. It shifted yeah. to the left. No, I'm fine. I can't really breathe out of my nose, but I'm fine right <laughs> now. But just overall, he wasn't great in that game either. And the issue that I have with, with him in this matchup is the fact that Paul George has a lot of length. Terrence Mann has a lot of length. And I'm not sure if Kawhi's going to come back in the series. We can talk about that uh, in a bit. But the point is, is I do think the length of the Clippers have is – going to be a problem for Booker to deal with because he's a guy who likes to create separation, likes to take uh, mid-range jumpers, but a decent amount of them are contested. If you actually just look at the actual shot breakdowns, and if you have an, a little bit of extra length, and instead of having a six foot eight guy on you, you have a six foot 10 guy on you, the two extra inches there and that actual wingspan could really just play a factor in his shooting. So even though the face mask I'm sure is the most comfortable thing in the world, I think it mostly has to do with the fact that man and George have really just taken the extra step when it comes to either guarding him on switches or whether Beverly wants to press him as soon as he crosses half court, they're just giving him a bunch of different looks. And I feel like if you're going to try to stop a superstar, maybe the Bucs should take note, uh, should take notes after what happened with Trey Young in game one, but you got to try something different. You got to just try to, you know, switch bodies, switch up looks instead of letting him do the same thing over and over again. And right. it seems like the Clippers have done a pretty good job of balancing out their different defensive strategies against them. Yeah, it's a great analysis, man. And I want to touch on that, what you just said, the Kawhi Leonard. We know he was in the building last night. He was sitting up in the uh, in the uh, the box, the box area. What have you heard from Kawhi? And I mean, I'm still hearing it's the ACL knee sprain, but I haven't heard any rumblings of him coming back. But to Kramer's constant diatribe, it's all about the drama. And who knows if they're saving for Kawhi to come back in like a game six, game seven type of situation. but yeah, curious of what your what your thoughts are there. My main takeaway is I don't think he's coming back really anytime soon. I think he might come back maybe for a desperation game six or seven if there's an elimination aspect to it. But the way that I see it is that the longer the series goes on, the more dangerous the Clippers become because there's a better chance that Kawhi's going to come back in the series, which is why I thought yesterday's game was extremely important because the Clippers, yeah. of course, were in must-win territory. Can't go down 3-0. Everyone knows that no team in the NBA has ever come back from from being down 3-0. But it's also just a matter of stalling. And how if you end up just prolonging the series another week, 
maybe Kwai, who hypothetically could play at around 10% right now, suddenly maybe he wants to play at 50% in about a week. And the longer yeah. that you actually just stay alive and keep your odds up, there's a good chance that Kwai can come back, or at least a better chance he can come back. And this Clippers team, which I know has played well without him, if you think that they're better without him, you're out of your damn mind. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Yeah, man, Kawhi's like the Terminator, dude. Like, he's he's a robot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's his 50, 60% is still better than uh, most NBA players out there. Um, so, yeah, we're going to – let's get into the, the game of the night, though. Um, the, Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks traveling for game two to Milwaukee. How are you capping this one? Um, well, because it's – this is a – I don't know. Is this getting borderline must-win territory for the Bucks, man? We know that they're very erratic. They didn't have a, ver- a particularly good shooting night um, outside of Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Do you think that this is a good place for them to write the ship? And how are you feeling about this current line? Well, I'm, I actually see some eights now, so there has been a little bit of Bucks Ooh. money coming in in some wow. spots. But okay. as a whole, I think it's kind of a mix of both, which is a cop-out answer, but I think it's a very important game for Milwaukee. <laughs> If you go down too well against this Hawks team, it's a dangerous territory to be in. I'll tell you that much. I'll answer the Clippers. But looking at the actual spread here, I don't want to lay eight points with Milwaukee. I know that you just talked about how important of a game it is for Milwaukee and they can't afford to lose. And you'd think if Trey doesn't go for 48 points again, Milwaukee's had a great chance to cover. But damn, I don't trust this Milwaukee team minus eight points. Like, I, I just, I can't do it. And the main reason why is because of the fact that even though we might think the adjustments that Milwaukee can make are relatively obvious, if they're obvious to the two of us, it'll probably take three more days for Budenhoser to figure it out. So I can't really determine how long it's going to take Budenhoser to realize that Brook Lopez cannot be played in the series because he obviously cannot be played in the series. But Budenhoser is just going to keep sticking with him for at least another game or two, especially after the Nets. Uh, the game that Durant ended up having, that huge performance. I believe he torched Lopez and pick and rolls pretty much an entire half. And how'd that work out the game after? Oh, no, we're going to play Lopez another 20-something minutes. I'm like, didn't you learn anything from the previous game at all? But that was the main takeaways that I had. You were having your big men sag off dramatically against Trey Young, which is, for torched. lack of a better word, stupid, because that's just not <laughs> going to work. Right. And they didn't really adjust any defensive game plans at all. He had 30 points basically at the half. And Boonozer said, no, you're doing great. Just, just keep, keep, let's see what keep, happens. Keep doing that. <laughs> just, let's keep happening. It's like, I can't believe you went for 48 points. I'm like, really? You didn't send one double team the entire game. You didn't try trapping on screens or anything. I know Trey Young's a great player. I know that he's seen all the defenses when it comes to pick and rolls, but you got to force somebody to beat you, especially when Bogdanovich is a leg is clearly still bothering him because he can't shoot at the moment. I just think Milwaukee should have tried something different and they just didn't do it. Now, should they try something different in this game? Yes. You'd think that's what they should do, but I am so low on Bootenhoser that I just will never know if he's actually going to figure it out on time in comparison to all the other uh, coaches on Twitter or, or our podcasts who think that they should be coaching an NBA team. But I think you'd probably <laughs> agree with me that Bootenhoser is not exactly a guy I trust when it comes to making adjustments. No, adjustments is not his thing. Uh, not his thing at all. And to your points, man, like I, I think it's evident, it's abundantly clear that 
Brooke Lopez is not the guy to be able to stay in the pick and roll. Is Bobby Portis that much better, though? You know, is there another lineup that he's not exploring, uh, potentially subbing out Brooke Lopez and giving Bobby Portis? I mean, I feel like Bobby Portis is more athletic. I wouldn't say he's a better defensive player, but in a situation of guarding Trey, maybe you take some, maybe take some freedoms and liberties and putting Giannis on him for a little while. Maybe you get, you know, Drew Holiday, unfortunately, he got torched too. Um, and I think Drew Holiday, we'll see a better defensive effort out of him. But frankly, this this ship runs with Trey. And you got to throw, to me, you got to throw the kitchen sink at this dude. Whether it's one person, your whole focus should be centered around stopping that pick and roll and what he does. Because once he turns that corner, he gets downhill. It's either a floater or it's an alley-oop off the backboard, whatever. And if you don't get up on him, he's just going to step back and, and knock down the tray. So, yeah, I don't. This isn't Bolden Holders, Holder, Holders. Blah, blah, I can't even say the guy's fucking name. Anyway. He'll yeah, be out of I a job believe- in a couple months anyway, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. He'll be on the laundry list of, of coaches looking for a new destination and home, especially if they don't win, you know, going to the Eastern Conference, uh, going to the finals after this. This path was probably their easiest one to get there. So, you know, I'm going with the Hawks. I don't see any reason to believe in the Bucks. Chris Middleton, who knows where the hell he is. He continues to impact the game, but he just can't make a shot. They needed Drew Holiday to get 33 points to even beat, to even stay in the game. And, you know, if you rely on Drew to get 33, that's not happening every night. So I don't feel really good about the Bucks here. And I'll, I'll get to the prop. My, um, I have a future that I played on prop swap that I'm really excited about uh, with the Hawks winning the, uh, the NBA championship, but I'll explain that later. But anyway, um, how are you feeling about this game total? I think the total is kind of fascinating because the game ended up picking up in pace uh, towards the second half. Right. And yet you have seen some under money. Now I'm sure some of the logic is Trey Young's not going for 48 again. Drew Holiday is not going for 33 again. So you got to make up a decent amount of points there. Now Drew Holiday can still go for 20 something. Young can still go for 35. But the point is you still have to replace all those points that you had for game one. And people were skeptical of that being the case. Having said right. that, I didn't really see much from either defense in game one. Now Atlanta was able to piece some things together to at least I'd say keep Middleton off balance at the end of the day, Middleton's going to take the same fadeaway jumpers all the time. The question is, are they going to go in or not? And they did not go in in game one, but I do think that based on the pace that Milwaukee and Atlanta typically have played so far in the postseason, mostly Milwaukee because they like to play fast, but I'm leaning to the over. I can understand the under money. But both defenses really didn't show me much. And people didn't talk about Milwaukee, about Atlanta's defense because they won the game. But I didn't think their defense was great in game one, did you? No, no, I did not. I mean, I mean, outside of uh, Giannis pretty much did whatever he wanted. And, and to say that Clint Capella and John Collins were like defensive men, like I don't, I don't think that they did that much. I mean, they did great on offense and they really did a great job rebounding. But in terms of like actually playing defense, um, you know, Trey Young's that's not that's not his strong suit either. So Kevin Herter played extremely well. Danilo Gallinari too. I think he's been given great minutes um, at that power forward position. But overall, I don't I don't I want to know if I would say that the the Hawks are a formidable defensive defensive team that's going to hold you to under you know potentially 113 points, right? So especially with I, Milwaukee in a potential desperation spot. But you yeah. were talking about which lineup Milwaukee could hypothetically roll out in order to, let's say, try to limit Trey Young. How long is it going to take for you before you put Giannis at center for about 30 something minutes in a game? 
I mean, we're talking like about it's, it's like Ben Simmons, right? Like the, the same argument could be made. Like, why don't you just run the small ball with your, the guy has his limitations, but he's a great defensive player. He's defensive player of the year, right? Run small. He's big enough to get boards. It's not like Clint Capella is going to stop him anyway. So why not? Well, that was actually my main adjustment, which is I thought Milwaukee should do. I know that Capella is a threat yeah. to catch lobs. Am I wrong for thinking you should just ignore Capella because you can just hack him if he ever touches the ball? Exactly. He can't, exactly he can't right. shoot free throws at all. So At all. And if you want to dare Atlanta to throw a Kung Wu in there who has very limited playoff experience, good luck to them. But the way yeah. that I look at it is that Capella, we know, has no post moves, and he can't shoot a free throw to save his life. So let, I don't really know why. You. Yeah, I don't know why Milwaukee doesn't, or at least not ignore him per se. But maybe over rotate with whoever, whichever guy he's go, he's being guarded by, and then yeah. maybe just try to recover after. Because if he's not a threat to take advantage every time of a smaller guy on him, if you end up switching or doing some scramble drill there, then I don't know why you're even bothering guarding him for the full possession if he's really just no threat outside of three feet. I agree with but, that. Um, so one other angle. Uh, being that we're talking about the Bucks pretty much playing for their their series their series lives here, I think they're going to come out pretty success. They're going to come out hot, and this has always been their thing. They play decently in the first quarter, second quarter, and then as the game wears on, at, in Boonholder fashion, he doesn't make the adjustment, and the next thing you know, somebody comes back on him. And so that's kind of what happened in the first game. You know, like the 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 Bucks had a decent lead, and then the Hawks made their triumphant comeback as they always do, but. The Bucks are 4-0-2 in the first half against the spread in the postseason. In the course of the regular season, they were 27-12-2 and as first half uh, home favorites this season. So if you're feeling the Bucks to go all the way, I mean, I'm going to take them first half at four, minus 4.5. Four I think that that's probably a, a better bet for the Bucks because, you know, trusting Budenholzer as the game wears on and the Bucks in general, the faith is lost there. So... This is just another way to, to look at this game script. Uh, I'm looking at the first quarter for a similar logic. I just think Milwaukee should come out with, I'd say, a little bit more energy. I can't yeah. guarantee that they're going to make more shots or not. <laughs> right. they, yeah, that's been the point. issue that they've had for the majority of the season or the postseason. I know people keep saying, well, the supporting cast can't be this bad. And you're saying, well, you gotta, you're starting to build a decent sample size there where this team's been pretty bad with the supporting cast. But – the way that I see it is that the crowd should definitely provide a little bit of an energy boost to start. Milwaukee knows how urgent that they need to be for this game. And the Hawks have been really good in game ones this series. They have not really been great in game two. Now, I know, of course, that's not really a problem because when you're splitting on the road, that's really all you came to do in the first place. But you talk, can talk about how well they did in game one of all their series, but you look at game two, they haven't won a game two. So it's not like they fared pretty well in this spot when they're up one nothing. I think Milwaukee should come back and end up opening a decent lead in the first half. I think Atlanta will do a good job clawing back into it in the second half, which is why I'm not sold on Milwaukee plus the eight, but I do like Milwaukee first quarter. And the one, there's a player prop I'm looking at, which I really don't know if I can like it. Cause once again, it involves Budenhoser not being, I'd say stubborn Lopez under in points just because he really should not be on the court. And I've, I believe he had seven. In the first game, I think he had seven. Does that sound right? Yeah, he like did. Seven and two. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the way that I see it is that if you know that this guy is pretty much unplayable in this series, who knows or might stick with him because why not, I guess. But at the end of the day, I'm looking at a situation where I have to like the under because his minutes should be realistically limited 
unless Milwaukee wants to potentially give up another 40 piece to try out. I've been fading Brooke Lopez all postseason. The only thing he's really worth it for is three points made. And because his lines are generally sitting at around one, one and a half. And most of his shots come from three point land. But well, yeah, he, was great against, he was great against the yeah. Nets, but they didn't. Sorry, starting to throw up, but he was great right, against the Nets good. in that series. But the Nets also don't really have a true center. So he right. had a, just a huge mismatch on Bruce Brown half the time. With Atlanta actually having multiple big men who are actually the size of a, of a normal center, I think that Lopez is going to have some problems. So right on cue, we're going to take a break and we're going to pay some bills, get back to the action, and we're going to talk to the prop one of the prop brothers. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a special offer up to $500 in risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and make sure you download the app today. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time between work, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. It's exhausting. You know, sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's literally made to chill. So for tonight's game, first thing I'm going to do when I get off of work, I'm popping open a refreshing mountain cold Coors Light. Why? Because it's cold lager, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Literally made to chill. Every time I'm sitting back to watch these games and we know how the last one went, we can only expect the drama and the entertainment to continue because I'm just going to select my Coors Light because that's the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit the reset button, just reach for that beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and its new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate responsibly. All right, we are back, and we are ready to talk some props. Munaf and I, you guys might be used to our prop shop. We're going to do a little variation of that, being that Munaf is not here. And we're missing a prop, brother, but... We do have one on the line. It is one Terrell Furman, a.k.a. Rel, and the prop aficionado. Terrell, what's good with you, bro? How are you feeling today? DT, what it do? Can you hear me? Is audio good? Oh, you sound great. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. What's going on, Scott? How's it going? Uh, doing pretty well. Waiting till uh, this game starts. Mostly, I'm kind of focusing on hockey tonight, personally, but... Still uh, looking forward to this game. Hope it's going to be good. It's all right. We ain't going to shame you for it. We ain't going to shame you for it. We're all inclusive <laughs> over here. Hey, we're well, all inclusive over here. We'll take hockey, baseball, whatever you got. <laughs> I got a team that's still fighting for a title. So I got, you know, my priorities in the right place. But sorry about Philly. I don't know if you're also a Philly, uh, Philly fan or not. Don't I you didn't... ever disrespect me like that again in your life, Scott. <laughs> I swear to Hey, Scott, I, we, we just met, but we all bet. Don't you ever disrespect me like that in your life, Scott. <laughs> I don't feel, I've, in my defense, I feel like 80% of the hosts on this show root for the 76ers. So I never actually know if there's anybody that roots for any other team on here besides me. What team do you root for anyway? Oh, I'm, I'm all New York, baby. Knicks, Giants, Mets, love it. Oh, so you have a lot of free time on your hands. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I see how it is. I see how it is. Hey, this is not what we came. We didn't come here to talk about this. We didn't come here to talk about this, Scott. We came here to talk about some I'm a Nets fan, so I got to put jabs out there, especially since both our teams aren't exactly doing much right now. Yeah, New York's a little boring right now. 
Hold on, we're doing a lot right now. We are in Cancun living it up. I don't know about y'all if y'all just went home and hung, and just chilling out on the couch watching the games, but we're going to be, we're in Cancun. We're with the girls. We're having margaritas. We're having pina coladas. We're having a good time. We're doing a lot. Duran is, is arguing with Scotty Pippen on Twitter right now. I was going to say, I hope the Wi-Fi in Cancun is pretty good because Duran's been on Twitter a decent amount for the last day or two. You know, I was um, trying to figure out he he the I was trying to figure out if the tweet he commented on was his burner or not. I mean, who knows, man? You know, you know, he's always he's always lurking around on Twitter at the wee hours of the morning, waiting for someone to snap on. Um, I feel like the beef just, though with yeah. him and Pippen's kind of perfect because Pippen's kind of the same way where he'll just randomly say an outlandish comment like once every year, <laughs> and you just go. Why are you Why? saying it? Like nobody asked you. Like, what are you? What are you doing? <laughs> like, people. Would, I remember Pippen a couple of years ago was talking about how he thinks LeBron's a better player than Jordan, and right. everyone, first of all, was like, "Well, you know, that's your opinion, but you're wrong." But no. But in reality, people are just looking at it, going, "I don't remember anybody asking you. Do you think that LeBron's better than Jordan?" So I feel like this beef is kind of perfect for each other because both of these guys just love to hear themselves talk. Is that fair? Yeah. Talk, talking in the yeah, dead air, no, man. Yeah. I feel that. <laughs> but I thought Dur- I thought Durant won the first round of, of that beef. I don't know if it was a 10-8 or a 10-9 round, but I thought Durant held himself. Oh, no, that was definitely a 10-8. I just want you to know right now, that was, was definitely a 10-8. A 10-8. <laughs> it was definitely a 10-8. <laughs> anytime you call out Pippen for benching himself because Coach was getting the final shot there, that's a 10-8 round. If I've ever seen it was one. definitely a 10-8 round. <laughs> oh, man. Damn. That shit was funny as hell. Um, but yeah, let's talk some props. Rel, I'll give it to you first off, man. What's the uh, so so Scott just teased us with one that he loves in fading Brooke Lopez, mainly because he becomes obsolete in this series. I mean, assuming mm-hmm. assuming that the Bucks make some adjustments, but um, his skill set really doesn't lend itself for success. So I'm curious of what you're going with in uh, game two. Um, for first of all, Brooke hit. Brooke Lopez has just made my all NBA hate team. I have a, a decent long list of NBA players that may be good, may be bad, but for some reason I just hate them. And Brooke Lopez just made himself on that list um, with his performance that he did. And, and in the last series as well, Brooke Lopez is the most, um, he's very talented. He's an NBA player. Let's not get it like that. But Brooke Lopez is very irrelevant right now. I'm just going to leave it at that. Brooke Lopez really rails all NBA hate team. Second team. He didn't make first team. All right. So back to my prop. I just want you to know, DT, I'm on an absolute heater right now. Past three Fridays, five and one on the props. Uh, Trying to keep it going. I'm going to go. You know, I don't like to be too contrarian with these. I like to make it easy. Some props that are really easy that people overlook. But I also have something that I want to try out because I think it's going to be very profitable to uh, folks tonight. So. Let's kick it off with something nice and easy. You already know where I'm going with this. I talked about this at Slack last game. Trey Young over, is it 28 and a half? 28 and a half points. Or did it did it shoot up on us? Uh, let me just make sure I didn't. No, so it's at 30 and a half. Uh, it's a little bit higher, but I'm willing to take a stab on it. Uh, 30 and a half points. Trey Young scored over 30 points. Um, he's averaging 30 and a half points now on the road this season in the playoffs. So every playoff game, um, not every playoff game score, but every play um, over the course of these playoffs, every away game, he's averaging 30 and a half points. Um, it's villain Trey. 
Like, come on, guys. He's he's loves the villain role. I didn't know that you could be a villain in Milwaukee because I didn't think Milwaukee could actually hate people. Like, I didn't know people in Milwaukee actually hated anybody. You could be the villain in New York. We hate a bunch of people. You could be the villain in Philly. We hate they hate a bunch of people. I didn't know we you could everyone. be a villain in Milwaukee. I didn't that, like that's like being a villain in Switzerland. That's like being Switzerland's villain. Like, how are you a villain in Milwaukee? So the fact that he he took a shimmy and then hit a wide open jumper and invited Bobby Purtis, like, hey, come on, you come come try to guard it because I'm going to hit it anyway. No, he's the villain in Milwaukee. I don't know how that happened, but he became a villain there. And he's going to uh, live up to his villainy and drop over 30 points tonight. I'm sure of it. That is just it's just what gets him off at this point. It really is. Uh, Trey is unstoppable. And as we were talking about earlier, man, they don't guard the pick and roll very well. They just sag into the paint. So let Trey feast because that's all he's going to do. Um, he doesn't so what, like I, what I will say, at all. what I will say I noticed with them is that um, they're not trailing him when he uh, when he drives and he comes off that pick and roll. They stop trailing him because they don't want him to do that kind of uh, stop and foul, draw, get draw that stop foul. foul. Yeah, yeah, they don't want him to draw that foul. So they they given him a little bit more space on that pick and roll. And then he's just been able to hit unlimited floaters on them. Like you, I think the first four or five shots he hit in that game um, on Wednesday were all floaters, all floaters. He was taking threes early in the game and just wasn't hitting. He, was, he didn't really have his shot going, but his floaters were just easy because nobody was really trying to stay glued to him because they knew he could draw the foul. So I don't know if they uh, Mike Budholzer tries to make an adjustment for that, and then that gets them to the line more, and they say we'll take our chances with them at the line than just giving them freebies. But uh, right. I, I just don't see an answer for Trey right now, whether it's Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, whoever takes their – stab at him I think Trey's gonna get his shot off and then when it comes um time to make the money maker he's gonna show up and uh knock down some dead shots for this team and get us over that 30 and a half total I dig it and I just want to comment real quick at how confident Rel is in his bets today this man showed up in his bathrobe chilling oh this yeah man absolutely. Is confidently swagging he didn't even bother to get dressed today because this is just easy nope. work <laughs> nope easy work straight out of bed with it Hop up about my bed. Like, come on, yo. No. Yo, come on, yo. Like, is is this is for ice tray is easy. Fight now. Let's let's take a stab at this other one and see what we do. But ice tray is easy now. I like it. So I'm gonna go to the other prop bro who Jong Lee, who can't join us today, but he sends his he pour sends one up his for well Jong. wishes. And yep, let's pour one out for him. But I'm gonna give you off of that. We're gonna go with the guy that's probably gonna be tasked with guarding Trey and stopping him from getting those 30 and a half points. That is Drew Holiday, and he likes the over 20 and a half points. Drew Holiday can't stop Trey Young, but Trey can't stop Drew either. Drew's coming off a 42 point, 25 shots, and 33 points in game one. The counter angle is that Middleton didn't show up in game one, so he could have a big game, which could negate Drew's productivity. However, the tipping factor for me is that I favor Drew's matchup on defense over that of Middleton. Boom. So lock it in, Drew Holiday, to go off for 20 and a half points. And you could probably, I've seen that as low as 19 and a half. So I know John's probably getting some better odds there. But if you still see it out there for 19 and a half, make sure you scoop that up. Scott, you got any other props that you like for tonight? Uh, yeah. So we've been talking about points. I'm going to switch gears, talking about rebounding a little bit. I'm looking at John Collins. Over nine Ooh. and a half rebounds. 
Oof, I my, scratch my that's head. That's okay. I'm failing that one. Let's go. When I see that number, I scratch my head because he had 15 in game one, and now it's nine and a half, and it's juiced to the under. I don't really know why. It looked like Collins really didn't have much resistance in the last game. When you look at the fact that Lopez, we talked before uh, Terrell came on the show that Boonhoser might make adjustments not using Lopez, but he's also Boonhoser, so he probably won't make an adjustment until game four. So I do think you'll see Collins playing a decent amount because he was very successful in game one. But the thing is, is that since Milwaukee does typically use two big men with Giannis and Lopez paying the majority of the time together, or even Bobby Portis every now and then, I do think that you'll see Collins in the paint a lot defensively. So he should pick up a lot of defensive boards, even offensively. It's just the fact that Collins is a very energetic guy who I do think could use his quickness to take advantage of some of the slower big men that Milwaukee have. I just think nine and a half is way too low for a rebounding total, especially at around even money. I like the over nine and a half. Yeah, I'm going to tail that. And uh, I was actually going to play the, the John Collins nine and a half. But just to that end, I mean, I just can't deny this guy's has been a force over his last five games. He's gotten a double-double in each of those games. And with that, uh, minus one game, yep, he's gotten a double-double in four of his last five. So. With that, I'm going to go with his points and rebound total. I'm seeing it at 25 and a half. And to me, I mean, coming out, getting 23 and 15 out the gates, you know what this guy's about. And I love Scott's points in terms of the Bucks are always going to have big men on the floor. And we've already seen that John Collins' athleticism and his ability to uh, attack the rim as well as shoot. You know, this guy had a great, a really crucial three-pointer to, to seal the victory for them in game one. I think he's going to wreak havoc and continue to be one of the X factors for this Atlanta Hawks team with Bogdanovich still hobbled a little bit and uh, looking for other superstars to step up. And I think this is the one mainly because also let's not forget this guy wanted to get traded mid season. He's just boosting his trade value. The more this, this uh, series wears on and the longer the Atlanta Hawks stay relevant. So this guy's playing for the bag. You can't underestimate someone that's playing for their money. So I like John Collins to go over 25 and a half points and rebounds latching in another yet another double double so let's take a we're gonna take a quick break here from our sponsor and then we'll get to the rest of our props for tonight and as well as some best bets to close out the show we're also brought to you by prop swap america's number one app to buy and sell sports bets find the best odds on nba championship and stanley cup futures when you buy directly from other bettors on prop swap see a ticket you like but think the price is too high it's okay. Submit a bid for a price you think is fair, then buy it. Every ticket purchase on PropSwap can be resold at any time with one click of a button, and PropSwap gives you a suggested price tool to let you know how much your ticket's worth. Last week, a PropSwap customer purchased a Milwaukee Bucks championship feature for $150 when they were down 1-0 in their series versus the Brooklyn Nets. They ended up reselling it for $1,000 after Bucks won Game 7. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. So think of it like the stock market, but for sports betting. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 of bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. We're also brought to you by the SGPN app. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all of our picks and podcasts. And don't forget to toss up an app review and download the app today. Scott, it's that time, man. Big fat baby had all the fun. 
playing the crystal ballers. But now there's a new oracle in town. I'm going into my bag. I'm pulling out my big shiny orb. It's time for the crystal ballers presented by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Head to PropSwap.com and use promo code SGP for up to $500 in bonus cha-ching cash. Now I'm looking into my crystal ball for my favorite NBA future available on PropSwap. And I see actually two of them. So you know what I do? I get to work. I see at six to one odds. I see a price sitting at $110 for an opportunity to take home $850. Sign me up. But which one am I eyeing? The Atlanta Hawks future to win the 2021 NBA championship. That's right. So the cool thing about PropSwap is just because they put that set price at $110 doesn't mean I have to pay it. So the minimum bid was $90. I bid $94. Guess what happened? Within 20 minutes, cha-ching, bid accepted. So look at the current state of affairs. I mean, we got game two going on tonight. We've seen what Trigger Trey is doing. The man is ice cold. He's playing the villain. He's as cold as Rocky Mountains that Coors Light drips from. This man is cold. Ice cold. About as cold as Chris Middleton's jump shot. Frigid. I mean, you saw the man Trey out there shivering, giving the shimmy before he knocked down that three-pointer. The man is dirty. So dirty that the underdog story is going to continue all the way to get that Larry O'Brien trophy. That's right. This is the future to play, y'all. And there's another one still left on Prop Swap right now. I'm looking at it. Only $77. Minimum bid $67. Your take home is $600. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. So remember, for all your favorite futures, make sure you head to PropSwap.com and use promo code SGP for up to $500 in cold hard cash. All right. Go back to Ralph. What's the next prop bet that you like? And I know you're not as high on it as you were the Trey one, but give it to us anyway. No, I think I'm, I'm, it's something new. It's something new. So I don't think I played a PJ Tucker prop all season. I really don't. Uh, but I'm, I'm really liking PJ Tucker's over four and a half rebounds today. And I'll tell you why. Uh, not just because, you know, ever since he's been um, averaging any game in the playoffs where he's gotten over 30 minutes, he's three and four of, of hitting his rebounds prop. But also I was just watching that game. And so it's how they're utilizing him on the offensive glass. And I think that's going to be majority of his work. So Trey Young is sticking to P.J. Tucker. That's what I saw the last game, and that's typical for what Trey Young does uh, against any team he's with. He kind of finds that three-point shooter that's not going to be move around too much. They're just going to sit on the three-point line, and he's going to stay on that person so he can kind of hide on defense. Uh, so I believe um, when I was watching that last game and I was watching you know, what P.J. was doing off the ball while everybody else was getting their work because it's essentially four and four when PJ is on the court and he's just sitting in the corner. So while everybody else was getting to work, he was pulling Trey further and further away from that three-point line and then just getting them under the rim and then just boxing them out and getting the offensive rebound whenever the shot went up. Whenever somebody put a shot up, PJ Tucker was the first one to run to the basket and go for the offensive glass. So um, I think that that's a recipe for him to get even more boards. If Trey Young is the person he's fighting for boards with, I'm going to take PJ Tucker 10 times out of 10. So uh, I like PJ Tucker over four and a half boards is minus 150 now on my book. So it's pretty juiced. They'll probably get bumped up to five and a half. I, th I think I still like it at five and a half, but um, he should rack up a number of boards. And I'm pretty sure a good half of them will be offensive tonight just to keep the bucks in it. 
EJ Tucker was not expecting that one. So, hey, it's a first for everything. And I'm going to go with your other prop, bro, bro real quick. I'm going to go back in the Slack channel and see what he was cooking with. I think we're going with a Kevin Herter. Yes, sir. Kevin Herter over 19 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. Herter's averaging over 30 minutes per, of playing time in this series. Bogdanovich has been limited in his effectiveness. Even if you expect Trey to go off for 35, that's nowhere near close to the almost 50 he had in game one. The offensive production from the perimeter could come from Collins and or Herter. And Herter has averaged 23 points, rebounds, and assists over his last 10 games when averaging 30 minutes. So expect Herter to get his in game two. Boom. From the other prop, bro. So I think it back to you, Scott. You got one more for us. Looking at the uh, last prop that I like, it's going to be on the other superstar to have a very big game. I know we talked about Trey Young before, now Milwaukee can't guard him. I didn't see ways Atlanta could guard Giannis. And you're looking at it, uh, yeah. a total over of 33 and a half right now, which sounds pretty high. But you look at Giannis's numbers, it tends to be close. So it's probably going to be a sweat because he's usually around 34, a little bit higher. But you go through the last couple of games and he's put up in order 34. 40, 30, 40, uh, 34, 34, 33. So he's been very, very close on uh, one or two of those losses because he had 30 and 33 in those. But he seems to be putting up 34 pretty steadily. What really I found optimistic was the free throw shooting. He did go six for eight. Now the NBA announced about a day after the game was over. By the way, there were a couple 10-second violations on there, but you can call every free throw for a 10-second violation. They never call it, so... I am worried about maybe losing one free throw there because the refs might actually keep that in mind. But the one thing I got to look at is the field goal numbers. And the fact is he's attempting about 25 field goals. That's what he had in the first game. He had 24 against the Nets in game seven. He really has just been a lot more aggressive, which is what Milwaukee needs, especially Middleton is going to continue struggling. And when you're looking at the likes of Capella and you're looking at Collins or Kung Wu off the bench, they don't really have any good options to guard Giannis. And I just think that if Giannis does end up playing a little bit more center, if he does continue to play 40 plus minutes, which is what Boonoser started to do, I think Giannis should get over 33 and a half because Atlanta cannot guard him at all. Feel that. Giannis, I mean, you're you're spot on with the the consistency. I mean, Giannis is is always been hovering around that 33, 34. It's gonna but... be close. It's gonna be very, very close. But hey, it's the it's the game that they need, right? They can't afford to go down, and if they're going to turn to one man to to shoulder the load, it's going to be the the perennial All Star, defensive player, former defensive player of the year, and just all around animal beast. But interesting angle though with the free throw. I wonder if it, if there is a prop bet out there for whether Giannis is going to have one of his free throws taken away would be pretty interesting because that dude takes fucking forever to shoot his free throws. Um, my final bet, I'm going to, we mentioned the name a couple of times and I, I got to continue to fade him similar to the way I was fading Brooke Lopez. It's Bogdan Bondanovich. Um, currently seeing his uh, prop market for points at 12 and a half. Let me just confirm that. Uh, yep. Oh, excuse me, 11 and a half. I'm going to go under here. He hasn't had much success. The guy is playing on, on what seems to be one leg. He hasn't found his shooting stroke in quite some time. And we've really seen the emergence of Kevin Herter here. And I think he's going to continue to soak into those minutes just over the last few games, uh, the last four games, Bogdanovich has scored a grand total of 21 points total. So four in his last one, four in the game before that seven and six before that. 
He's the highest he's ever attempted is 11, 11 field goal attempts. And he's only knocked down three in the best of those four games. So this guy's really struggling. He continues to play good defense and put his best effort out there. He did play 27 minutes, which is a sign that his minutes could be trending up, but I just can't trust his sh his jump shooting right now. He's just cold as ice. So I'm going to continue to fade him 11 and a half points. Probably the lowest it's going to be all season and, and potentially all series, depending on how it goes tonight. But uh, just to, you know, let you know, if you got that 11 and a half points, I take it. I'm looking at my book. I got him at 10 and a half right now. So it's dropping. People are fading him. Yeah. I want to get your guys' best bets for game two. I'll start with you, Rel. Uh, what uh, what bet do you like the most? Uh, what are you lock considering your lock for today? All right, yeah, I like Milwaukee to come out come out swinging. First half spread four and a half, um, minus four and a half for Milwaukee. I think that they just they're gonna be locked in. They're like, we can't go down um, 0-2 with home court. Like we can't go outside like that, uh, especially in front of the Milwaukee fans. That I guess there's some really good fans. They hate Trey Young, so I guess they really support Milwaukee. I don't know. I've never been to a game in Milwaukee. I didn't know the fans of Milwaukee got down like that. But either way. Um, I don't think they want to they want to embarrass themselves. I think they come out quick. Now, I'm not 100% certain that they keep it up throughout the duration of four quarters, especially with how feisty this Atlanta Hawks team is. But I think they really come out here and make a statement and they really say that, hey, we're going to try to blow these guys out of here. Like, we're going to try to make this game and end this game early. So I think that uh, you could do a lot worse than Milwaukee minus four and a half um, in the first half spread. I think that's a pretty good bet locking in. Scott, what say you? Yeah, I feel like we all had the same idea, which is the fact that Milwaukee should get off to a pretty fast start because they're in desperation mode. I'm looking at the first quarter. It's it's minus two. It's a minus two and a half. It's pretty much the same strategy itself. But the longer the game goes on, the less I trust Milwaukee. So I'll take the first 12 minutes and I'll get out of yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, And for mine, I'll, I'll close out. I like I like Rails angle, and I definitely teased that before. I'm just gonna take. I'll take the full game and not trusting the Milwaukee Bucks to finish anything. I'll take the, the, uh, the Hawks plus eight um, against the spread. Cause I think that they're going to eventually find their way and find the rhythm like they always do late in the games and make it interesting. So there you have it. The trifecta here, Scott Rel, thank you for coming on the show. It's been great. Make sure you hit the Slack channel. We're going to be throwing in all these prop bets as well as our best plays for the night and make sure to continue to let it ride. Until then, we'll see you next time. Peace. Ba -ba 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 Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna dunk it!